0: Welcome to In Our Own Defense Podcast, where you host attorney AD Winters, founder and managing attorney of at veteransdefender.com, and Dr. Dolores Tarver, and psychologist. For more information about our podcast, you can find us on all social media at In Our Own Defense, In Our Own Defense at Facebook, or you can email us at Defense at gmail.com. Check out our new YouTube page and make sure you subscribe that subscribe button. Uh, generally, we have our long opening with mission and, and our disclaimers. We have a lot to discuss in this episode. In this episode, we've created and produced a four part series in our own defense podcast where we have extremely talented and dynamic attorney Trey Baker from uh, the Biden-Harris 2020 campaign. He's the director of African-American engagement uh, for the campaign and he's gonna come with us. He's gonna discuss empowerment, uh, employment, economics and the 2020 Uh, election. So we're really excited to have him here. And um, Dr. Tarver, how have you been? Welcome to another show.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing great. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing well. Beautiful uh, sunny days here in California now that the smoke has lifted. I know, right? Well, you know, uh, this this series of episodes that we've been building and working uh, with Mr. Baker on uh, as far as empowerment, employment, economics in 2020 uh, election uh, that's coming up November the 3rd. Uh, I'm really excited to discuss certain things. Uh, You know, first off, I would be remiss if uh, I wouldn't uh, discuss the recent passing of uh, Associate Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, also known as the Notorious RBG um for all of her extremely hard work as a lawyer to watch and read uh some of her writings uh, and some of her dissents uh, how she's been a champion for equality uh champion for women's rights but for all rights of humans uh and that's that's been telling so we're really excited uh to be able to honor her and i'm excited to see all of the great things that we're going to do to support her uh through her transition um But one of the things I want us to discuss, what are you seeing from the impact of the pandemic's uh, impact on the human element, the wellness, the emotional, spiritual, financial wellness of our American citizens?
1: I will definitely tell you that people are seriously out of balance. They are scared. They are scared financially about what their futures are going to look like. A lot of businesses here in Columbus and I'm sure Columbus is an example of what the rest of the United States looks like. A lot of businesses have closed. People are desperately trying to find jobs right now, unsuccessfully. A lot of my clients have not been able to get back to work and they've been looking for months. Um, As we know, unemployment is overwhelmed and people are not able to receive as much as they were initially. A lot of my clients weren't even able to get onto the site to get unemployment started. Um, so that is a huge anxiety for people. People are losing their homes. Um, people have gone through their savings at this point and don't really know how they're going to be able to make it without any more assistance. People are understandably depressed. I um, think people are fearful after the passing of the notorious RBG and what does that mean in terms of a new um, Supreme Court justice appointee? Like we, I, I think people are are very, Hesitant about what the next four years could possibly look like for them if they can even see that far Because I think most people are just trying to navigate that. What can I do right now to survive?
0: And that's you know, I think that's why you, when when you and I developed this this series of shows We thought that this would be critical. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, introduce our special guest Um uh, But before, right before I introduce him I, I would like uh, for us to, do you think that that, my question to you is, do you think that applies on all range of issues? Does that apply to, you You talked about economics, well, employment, but the greater economics, like what is our financial future hold after recovering from this? Uh, and the confidence in everyday American, do you think, you know, past your clients that you're seeing that the spirit of us are, are shaken by this, this pandemic financially?
1: Oh gosh, absolutely, yeah. yes. Uh, financial stress is at the, I think, probably top of the list, but there's also other issues. People are concerned about their health care. for example. Are they going to be able to uh, pay for healthcare? Uh, you know, I'm a mental health provider. People often use insurance to see me. If they don't have insurance, they're not able to see me. And so that could really take away uh, another resource for people in terms of trying to get to their wellness if they can't come and see their provider, if they lose their insurance because they've lost their job. Um, And then we are both self-employed and we understand your situation is a little different because you served in the military. But if you try to get insurance as a self-employed person, it is very expensive. Or if you're not employed, getting it, people can't afford that. So that's a huge concern. I think people are concerned about their their kids in the education system, Um, their kids getting sick. We have this pandemic going on, as you mentioned, and what about being able to uh, protect their children we have issues of racial injustice that are going on right now there are there are any number of ch- it is it is almost difficult to find things that give people joy uh, because there are so many things that people are concerned about this is definitely a season of worry for people and we know that worry leads to depression and depression can sometimes lead to suicide so there's a lot of different, areas and why i think it's really important that we have our guests on um to help reassure people and give people some hope and encourage and empower people Uh, so i know that you are um excited about him as i am excited about him and and want to spend some time uh talking about his great accomplishments as we get ready to introduce him and welcome him to the show as well
0: without further ado i'll uh be really excited to introduce uh, our guests. Um, you know, there's a they have a great website, uh, JoeBiden.com, uh, where he talks about a tell of two tax policies, where he talks about the Biden campaign rewards work, and they they plan on building back better with jobs and economic recovery for the working family, and build back better with racial equity across the American economy. And these are exciting ideas with sustainable infrastructure, uh, 21st century uh, caregiving and education workforce. These are some great ideas that 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 led forward. And I'm excited to learn more about it. And as I introduced our guest, Attorney Trey Baker, uh, he's the Director of African-American Engagement at Joe Biden and Biden Harris uh, 2020 uh, campaign. Uh, he's self-described as a Mississippian, a Grenadian, a Tougalooan, a bowtie aficionado. Uh, as the director of African American engagement, he builds and he manages the national outreach program to support the political objectives of the campaign. Uh, additionally, uh, Trey works to amplify the communication strategy, amplify their digital assets, and add value and volume to their uh, field program and support their fundraising goals. Attorney Baker earned his undergraduate degree from the esteemed Tougaloo College and earned his Juris Doctorate from the University of Denver Law. And so without further ado, Dr. Tarver, help me welcome Attorney Trey Baker. (laughs) Welcome to the the show.
2: It's good to be here. It's good to be here.
0: Good deal. Well, welcome uh, welcome to the show, Uh, Trey. We are so happy to uh, have you here. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that, um, that we will discuss, uh, but the first one that we'd like to discuss with you in our four-part series is um, on ec- empowerment, employment, economics in the 2020 election. The first one, of course, is empowerment. Uh, Dr. Sark, would you like to lead us in the first question there?
1: Absolutely, I appreciate that courtesy. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, Attorney Baker, I know you may not have figured this out just by looking at me, but I'm a woman. And so it is, uh, it is important for me, um, not only in honor of the Notorious RBG, but also to speak for women um, who have a lot of questions. They were some of the people that posed questions. And I know that the Biden campaign has an agenda for women, but I you know, wanna talk about, women of course are concerned about sexual discrimination, sexual harassment, unequal pay, um, not being seen as viable in their environments, being concerned about needing to take care of home and school and all of these other responsibilities, but not necessarily always feeling like they have a seat at the table. Um, What are some ways that the, the Biden campaign uh, has I think, highlighted to address these concerns, to allow women to, to be able to feel like if they were to um, vote for Biden, that they would be able to have that seat at the table. What would the, what would make them decide to vote for that candidate? What are some of the issues that um, Biden brings to into- the table?
2: Well, I, I appreciate the question, Dr. Tarver. and it, uh, Let me first say that it's a pleasure to be on with, with you two tonight, two Grenadians. Uh, to folks who have uh, legends uh, beyond measure in, in our hometown. And so uh, to, to be on this uh, podcast is, is really great. So thank you for the opportunity to come on, first of all. Uh, and, and just thank you for, for what you're doing in your individual careers, what you're doing for the folks back home in Grenada. As you know, I, I love Grenada as much as anybody and I want to see it flourish. So I wanted to say that first. Uh, I think the, the best way to answer your question is to just tell you that Joe Biden practices what he preaches. Uh, when, when you talk about women having a seat at the table, you don't have to look any further than our campaign. Uh, the, the diversity stats just came out for our campaign. And uh, at, at this point, the majority of the women who work on the campaign period are women. Uh, and the majority of the women up to 60 or so percent uh, of the folks in senior leadership on this campaign, including our campaign manager and several of our senior advisors, are, are women. Uh, many of them women of color, black women uh, like Simone Sanders, Corinne Jean Pierre, uh, a whole list of of people who he has around him who he trusts immeasurably. And and so I was I would start there as as a first matter is that you know when you start talking about. Um, you know, if somebody is gonna gonna do policy a certain kind of way, then look at how they do their own affairs. And so, women are at the forefront of this campaign and at the forefront of the national conversation, uh, from from headquarters all the way across the country. The second thing I'll say is, is Joe Biden is the author of the Violence Against Women Act uh, VAWA uh, that that just uh, celebrated its twenty uh, fifth. Anniversary uh, of being passed, and and so there are so many protections, whether it's uh, from employers or just in general in, in domestic uh, disputes. I mean, you got to think about the time that we were in when VAWA passed, um, and 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 the impact that it had on um, communities of women uh, to be able to bring charges against people when at a time when when they couldn't steal, uh, including husbands who uh, commit acts against against wives. Um, And so I think when you look at the long history of Joe Biden's career, uh, you see that he has uh, time and time again uh, in his actions shown that not only are, are women at the table, but he is particularly interested in, in the protection and uh, in, in subsequent growth and advancement of women. Um, you, you talked about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in particular, and one that, that's a tremendous loss for our country. And uh, when we had a staff call after she passed, the, the thing that I said is that, uh, amongst other things, was that it, it's a shame that, her life and her death in this moment will become politicized immediately, which it did. You saw that um, uh, Senate Majority uh, Leader Mitch McConnell came out immediately and, in his condolence statement, doubled down and started talking about who he was going to replace her with and when. And so you look at something like that, and you know it, it's it's one a shame that that. We can't just stop for a minute and celebrate her life, celebrate who she was, the second woman appointed to the Supreme Court, everything that she did for women across the board. But uh, another thing to remember is Joe Biden uh, helped to shepherd uh, her appointment to the Supreme Court uh, through the Judiciary Committee in the Senate. So he was one of those people who, uh, from from the start, was supportive and uh, was a part of her confirmation process. So i think you know that I, i'm old school yeah i know exactly where i'm from uh street and everything and so i just believe that you know people don't have to tell you who they are you can you can look around and see their actions and you you'll learn everything you need to know and that's how i feel about joe biden and, and particularly the women's agenda uh when when you go forward and look at what an administration would look like i mean from from jump you're you've got a you've got a man with the audacity to uh, pick for a running mate the woman who would become the first uh, female vice president of this country. Not only that, the first female vice president who's a woman of color. Not only a woman of color, but she's black and South Asian. So uh, to do all of those things and have that kind of trust at every level. Uh, you can just you know just look at it just point to it you'll see what what an administration will be like and the voices that will be in it so i think in joe biden women will have a a strong advocate that will have someone who is willing to dig into the issues uh related and have um a a type of policy mindset that's for women's well-being and women's advancement uh, uh women's equal pay the whole the whole nine so uh i would i would feel uh, very comfortable saying that joe biden and his agenda and senator harris and, and their collective agenda uh will be favorable uh to women and you know it, as favorable as i think it is to black people but i'm sure we'll talk about that later
1: well actually that's a nice segue there uh, attorney baker so we we want uh, attorney winners specifically has um questions about black voters But I want to talk about some of the other groups. Um, And and attorney Baker, if you'll mute while I'm talking, I think we're getting a little feedback. Um, Thank you so much. Um, uh, I want to talk about some of these other groups who often also don't feel like they have a voice. And that is our Latinx and our under 30 voters. And frequently what I'm hearing from those groups and some of the questions that were generated were about these groups in particular is that they are not uh, necessarily as inclined to get out and vote. Here they feel like they have uh, two candidates who are um, over the age of 70 and they think, what do you actually have in common with us? We're under 30, we're Latinx, you are white men. um, What, and we know that um Biden has the build back better agenda, which I love the uh, the phrasing of that. but what does that specifically mean for our Latinx voters for our under 30 vote, 30 voters who may be thinking um, you all don't really have the same representation with us in mind?
2: So I guess taking that in in its parts uh, for for Latinx voters, I think that there is an understanding, and I want to give a a shout out to my my counterpart, who's the the Latino engagement director, uh, Laura Jimenez from Florida. Uh, she has been a, a partner with me during this whole campaign, and, and uh, I really appreciate everything that she's done. We got, you know, we got a, there was a point in this campaign where we didn't have 2,000 staffers across every state in the country and, and all this other stuff and raising $3 million, $300 million in a in a month's time uh, where we were all we got. So uh, I got to know my colleagues and work with them very closely. What I will say uh, about that is that um, for the the Latinx voter, um, there there's a a wide range of issues just from from jump. But I would take it from its its simplest form, um, and and you want to like I, I guess talk about several issues. Uh, usually, first of mind is immigration, uh, but that's not the only issue the same way that black people are like not only concerned about criminal justice reform there there's everything else uh everyone is is a is a person who is concerned about putting food on their their family's table about making sure that kids have good education making sure they have health care uh and making sure that uh they they can live their life safely uh in in their homes uh that they can afford and so that's the first step is that as a, as a threshold question, that's where communities uh, lie. But as it, uh, as it relates to the issues around Latinx, uh, all of its different uh, communities, I would say that the first thing that comes to mind is compassion and empathy. And so you look at the immigration issue, and you look at kids being locked up in cages on the on the borders. Uh, the community being leveraged as a scare tactic. You remember the, um, the what was it, the caravans that were coming for up from up from Mexico through the border? You know, and I haven't seen the caravans yet. Uh, you you talk about the wall and the building of the wall, and millions and millions, billions of dollars. Uh, thrown into that wall that doesn't exist is in parts right now uh, that that went to some some engineers and and geospatial uh, plotters and and some construction guys who are now taking advantage of it. So um, the first thing you will get will, will be compassion. Is that just trying to build a wall just trying to lock up everybody just trying to get ice to do raids uh isn't the way around it you have to realize that these are people and the rationale for them coming to this country is because they want to make a better way and they see something in america they see these ideals that we we claim to hold so dear uh and and they want to have that opportunity for their families too uh so instead of turning them around, locking them up in cages, separating families, uh, Joe Biden would be uh, about compassion and about empathy and understanding that there is a route to citizenship uh, and that people should be able to go on it without fear uh, of, of being rounded up and taken back to their countries and, and, and basically done away with. On the, on the just very like domestic front, I think everything that's a part of our Build Back Better plan, uh, whether it's um, a $15,000 first time home buyer tax credit, uh, whether it's uh, $70 billion that's going to go to HBCUs and other minority serving institutions, um, and including institutions for uh, the Latino community, uh, whether it's uh, our our program uh, that we did around caregiving, Ah, uh, there are so many people who are in the caregiving community, both Black and Latino, uh, and and so providing for that caregiving community, especially post-COVID. Uh, when you think about caregivers, you think about uh, childcare, elder care, um, people who are in in senior day centers and 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 other things, and so those people's economy was was completely unraveled because of COVID-19 because you couldn't send your kids to this place you couldn't visit your elderly parents in in the nursing home you couldn't do this and so doors were closing people's businesses were were going away and so providing those kinds of opportunities uh, to get resources uh, is going to be huge uh for that community uh turning to the the question on on youth which is uh, a whole other thing in and in and of itself but with young people i think a a decision has to be made um and that's a and that's a fair question you look at two um 70 year old white guys and you're like well you know what's what's the difference and i will say here there's a huge difference uh there's a remarkable difference and again going back to that very simple thing i learned right here on spring hill road look at the person's actions uh, look at what they've done and what they are doing. Look how their policies will benefit you and, and your community. So many young voters are environmental issue voters. Uh, you've, got a, you've got a guy who put a Texas oil man over the EPA uh, in, in Rick Perry. You've got someone who, you know, talks about drill baby drill and, and, and all this and, and is not holding corporate actors accountable. Uh, you both are familiar with, with the Eastern Heights subdivision in our hometown, and they have a, a, a ridiculous uh, issue. It's, it's, a, it's a civil rights issue. This, this, these sets of companies uh, were dumping a substance into these people's backyards, and that community, Eastern Heights, Lion Ly- Drive, has the highest instances of uh, cancer of anywhere in the city you know and you can plot it out for the state in the country in terms of you know this that particular little circle being a hot spot and so uh joe biden is going to hold environmental bad actors accountable uh that's one of the highest ranking issues for for young folks uh when it comes to dealing with what's going on in the streets and the uh the black lives matter movement and 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 things that that Black young folks are thinking about, I think Joe Biden is going to provide a, a, a way forward that doesn't exist right now uh, with this current administration. So uh, the first thing, uh, first and foremost, is is college education. So Joe Biden has said that for uh, any household that makes less than $125,000 uh, and you go to a public institution, uh you can completely have your debt wiped away you you could have free education um the other the only tweak to that is if you go to a private school and it just so happens to be an hbcu or a minority serving institution you can also get your education for free uh there are programs uh that we're we're looking at for the department of education uh for people to be able to get their associate's degree, just community college will just be free in Joe Biden's America. Uh, just plain and simple uh, because everyone needs to be able to to get a, a leg up. So those things that are important, those things that uh, and, and we were able to come to an agreement amongst the unity committee that is. Um, that was formed from the, the Bernie Sanders campaign and their supporters, along with our our supporters and policy folks, and they were able to come up with some really good policies that that really got close to where uh, Bernie was on many issues, uh, if not matching it. So um, it, I think when you look at the policy, you you will see uh, that, that he matches up, particularly for young folks. But, but ultimately, I think you have to have someone who's thinking about the future. Uh, Joe Biden has called himself a transitional president. And he's thinking about how do we lay the groundwork for young people's lives to be better in the future? And I couldn't think of anything better uh, to ask of your president.
0: I think, I think that was a great segue, uh, uh, Attorney Baker. As you spoke to the Black Lives Matter movement and all of these you know, uh, transitional things that uh, Vice President Biden, hopefully President Biden is going to implement, uh, I'm really excited about it. That you spoke about black lives matter movement um, from my perspective uh, i've had a lot of questions sent in we've we've uh, as we promoted these series of shows we've had a lot of people uh excited about it and asked a lot of questions one writer mr Batisse, he writes uh what's the plan for police reform to curb the violence in the communities what's the plan for it um, uh, for you know Afri- as an african-american man at 40 something years old He's afraid for himself and his own son. Uh, with this Black Lives Matter movement, racial injustice, racial reckoning, that the, the awakening that's kind of happening, so to speak, the people are articulating their pain, constantly seeing these uh, these issues. There was a policy in place. Uh, th- this question is not uh, beat police. Uh, I've served in the military, uh, and I've had to go serve in places all over the world uh, before I retired. And, uh and this is not beat up on police this is a two-part two-prong question the first prong of it is how do we redefine qualified immunity uh under president obama and, and president uh, vice president biden they had they crafted a policing equity a 21st uh century uh task force on policing and when they one of the things that they talk about is what can we do they gave action plans that were that were um, easy to target uh, it was about changing the culture of policing, changing police from being warriors to guardians. And those two, those two, those two tones may seem synonymous, but they're not. Change our police from being looked at as warriors. That's our military. Our police needs to be guardians. And if we, uh, if we come in with this court-sanctioned, court-developed law of qualified immunity as it relates to uh, the efforts of police when they go too far, uh, harm someone, kill someone um, um, unarmed, uh, what are the things that we, we're looking for putting in place? That's real equity. If, if a 45-year-old African-American man uh, feels unsafe for himself and his son, just because of the immutable characteristic like the color of his skin, then I mean, that's part one. The second prong is, uh, what are we going to do to enhance and equip and empower our police to have real jobs? No more $20,000 starting pay. Why don't we federalize our police force and that sub, subjugate them to something like UCMJ? The military is subjected to it. If a military policeman does something wrong, he's going to have to go before a tribunal. There's going to be an investigation and he's going to have to go before a tribunal. Why don't we pay them real salaries that gives them real health care so our police don't have to have eight, nine jobs, working at a bar at night, working the football games. The military doesn't work football games. Uh, so, you know, I, I think there are some ways that I want us to have this two-pronged approach to it. Do you mind uh, expounding on that, uh, Mr. Baker?
2: Yeah, no, happy to. I, I think where you need to start though is, is at the beginning of Joe Biden recognizing that the, the state of the criminal justice system, the state of policing in America, uh, starts with racial equity in and of itself. And, and understanding that because of systemic racism that has plagued this country since its very inception, there are things that affect us right now whether it's the whole concept of the police or whether it's how black men and, and men of color are treated by the police and so having someone who understands that is the first step like that's the from from the very jump this thing is is not built for us that's, and so it has to be reformed and that's the that's the first piece when you start talking about, what the plan is around policing Uh, so so much of the plan is things that i relate to very personally because um you know for for the last three years before i joined the campaign i was the city manager in Grenada, mississippi and i had to hire police and i had to get police trained and i have to had to keep police protected and so when when i look at these issues i look at them and you know i have different perspectives i have the perspective of a black man who still if I'm riding through some backwoods area uh, on the campaign trail in Iowa or New Hampshire or South Carolina even and I see some blue lights come on I tense up you know that's just a that's just the the response and so they don't know that I'm you know, I got this and that degree and they don't know that I work for Joe Biden. All they see is a black man. And so I'm, I'm a target just like anybody else. So that's the first perspective. The second perspective being as someone who was in the municipal government who had to uh, wrestle with these issues. So first of all, in, in Joe Biden's plan, uh, he, will, he will one uh, outlaw things like chokeholds, uh, immediately point blank outlaw the chokehold um people don't have to do that in order to restrain people and that comes with good training and everything else speaking to your 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 second point on you know uh, giving the people the resources that they need uh the next thing that he'll do is make sure that in police misconduct cases there there will always be an independent prosecutor I think that's huge because you, you take the whole teamwork piece out of this, where, where the prosecutor's office is in cahoots with the, with, with the police department or the sheriff's department. The, the other thing that he'll do that's going to be so important in policing is demilitarizing policing uh, by, by taking the, the weapons of war out of the hands of the folks who did it. Uh, back when I was the city manager, I utilized that 1033 program uh, to get the surplus things from the military for our police department. But what did I get? I got desks, and I got file cabinets, and I got washers and dryers for the for the fire department, uh, and I got uh, chairs. I got a new um, conference room table for, for one of the folks at Parks and Recreation, Uh that's the kind of stuff that you should utilize the 1033 program. It's just extra stuff that is laying around at the military surplus. But Grenada Police Department didn't need a tank. Uh, they didn't need missile launchers. They didn't need, you know, the, the type of gear that, that you had to, you know, have in your military training in order to, to solve crime around Grenada. So demilitarizing police is so important, and it starts with, uh, having capable people at all levels of government to be able to make that distinction uh, about it and so uh, in terms of your your question on qualified immunity I know that's something that both the the vice president and Senator Harris are, are looking looking closely at and and trying to uh, figure out how to how to bridge the gap between uh, making sure folks don't have just an all-out, you know, carte blunts to do whatever the hell you want to do uh, to a person uh, versus making sure that people can still you know go go through with law enforcement. So uh, while while we haven't arrived at that policy position quite yet, that's something that's in, in in very close study, uh, and I, and I think it's something that Senator Harris has said we absolutely have to uh, reform immediately in terms of of, of federalizing the police. I. I mean, I'll, I'll step outside of, of the campaign because because we don't have a, a position on that necessarily, but it's not something I would necessarily be comfortable with individually. Uh, just because you never know who's going to be at the top. Like I, I I never know about who you know who's the next Trump. You know, we want to give Trump a, an army and a police force. I don't know. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure that that's what we that's what we really want. So as a you know as a personal matter I, I i'll just say i don't know uh as a campaign matter that's something that we haven't uh, we haven't looked into i i think but to your to your underlying point on this is that just like teachers uh just like uh, nurses and, and and uh doctors and folks who who take care of folks firefighters um our public service workers need to be paid a livable wage uh they absolutely need to something that i tried to do um in municipal government was to provide an incentive package uh, that helped to bridge the gap for them and so if you work at the city of grenade i when i worked at the city of grenade i had the best insurance I've, I've ever had in my life even when i worked on capitol hill i didn't have better i had the cadillac insurance and so that's what we try to provide for our workers there because if you if you have those salaries that are depressed you have to be able to give them something that will that will help them and so um low you know low deductibles uh having the ability to have multiple things covered having the vision having the um um the dental having everything that that's a part of that that kind of cadillac uh package and it it costs the city uh a little bit in terms of being self-insured however it goes a long way especially you know and it, it really rewards being in, in in the city system for a long time because the, the the older you get the more infirmities you start to have and the more you really benefit from having all of these these um uh, these protections, also for our younger folks starting families, uh, and and having having those services for you know uh, maternal care and 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 other things. So I, I believe that people have to, and I'm not saying I, I did everything right or, or we had all the answers in Grenada, but it's just, it's just my experience, and it is uh, something that we have to look at across the board. Is how do you get people who do so much for us uh, to be to be in a place to make a livable wage. But most of that, too, or some of that, comes from having a, a true partner in the federal government. So someone who can get resources down to your city, down to your towns, and be able to like really help you. One of the reasons that they appointed me here in Grenada was because I had access or knew where to get access to um, federal resources. Cause I worked on Capitol Hill for, uh, Congressman Benny Thompson. And that was one of the main things is that, Oh, I can go find a grant and and execute like nobody's business. In my, in my first year here, we, we cleared over, over $2 million in grant funds. And, and that was, that was huge because, um, I mean, for a budget, that's basically $16 million, uh, in, in terms of operating expenses. Um, you know, to add another t- two, it get, starts to give you that, that cushion that you need. But something that I found in the Trump administration is year after year, certain things would dry up. Uh, the assistance to firefighters program uh, started to get bare. Uh, they took money away from the Delta Regional Authority, and that was something that we used for uh, to, to be able to get lift stations and, and, and other things that you need to make the water run. Um, then you, you look at the cops program, and instead of like doubling down on the cops program and actually giving the resources to hire uh cops and get them trained and get them body cameras and the whole nine, they put in a, a little box that you had to check to say that uh, if needed, your police officers would will be willing to help with immigration enforcement. Uh, just another thing to you know kind of hold people down. I, I couldn't you know, I can't check that box. There, you know, we'll get, we ain't got a lot of immigration enforcement in Grenada. And so that's something that um, I think would also help too, is if we had a partner like Joe Biden uh, in the White House, who understood, uh, Joe Biden started his career as a, as a county commissioner. Uh, and so he, he started his career having to make those tough decisions that cities and towns across the country have to face. And so pushing down resources, uh, to those, those police departments so that they can get the training. So that you can start to have different kinds of uh, enforcement, different kinds of um, um, staff that certified to do the thing that needs to be done. So many times there'll be a mental health issue uh, that, that's going on. And then the police get involved and it becomes something violent. Somebody gets killed. When when what really should have been out there is a therapist of some sort who could work with the person who was having a mental a mental break at the time. Um, so many times you have some other healthcare issue uh that that could be de escalated by someone who was trained to do so. But if you approach that situation with somebody who's trained to knock down doors, that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna knock down doors. And so that's that's one thing about this whole uh, defund the police movement. Uh, that's not something that the vice president gets into, but but what he t- talks about is reapportioning things. He talks about his daughter who, who is a therapist, and says, hey, you have to, you know, put some funds over here to, to get some of this. You gotta put some funds over here to do some domestic training. You gotta put some funds over here to make sure you have some juvenile justice training. And and all of those things put together, the healthcare piece, the juvenile piece, uh, and then you add the actual law enforcement personnel to it, you'll you'll have an ecosystem that will help the community r- rather than try to punish the community.
0: And I appreciate that from a, from a- Overarching uh, holistic approach. Uh, b- before we end this particular episode, uh, Attorney Baker, th- there was one really important question for me. Uh, the LGBTQI community uh, has made significant strides uh, under this um, from a quality standpoint, uh, allowed to be married, uh, Supreme Court has ruled about marriage. Um, but each part of that community, uh, the LGBTQI QI, and all of the other letters uh that that are that are used to define them um each member of that community uh needs to have that same kind of empowerment each one you know whether it's the trans community being able to have that in this in this administration there's been issues in the military whether or not uh trans could openly serve or whether or not uh you know one of the things that i'm extremely concerned about for uh, that community at large is losing these gains. Uh, what is the campaign going to do to further empower uh, equal rights as it relates to the LGBTQI community, and not to return back to the days of Stonewall in New York?
2: Well, um, and as you as you you know you'll you'll see this going forward. But as you bring up topics that uh, are are things that my colleagues handle, I will shout out. Uh, Reginald Greer, who's our LGBTQ plus director, who does a a fantastic job. He's he's a great brother and uh, really brings it home for that community. We actually just launched tonight uh, the campaign. Did before I got on this call, we had a black blackout, Uh, so black and then you know capitalized out. Uh, So that's our LGBTQ uh, African American collaboration that that we did. Just because you know there are so many facets of the black community and so whether it's black women it's black youth it's uh, black seniors uh black military folks uh and and black lgbtq uh individuals uh so we we launched that program tonight and so that's something that that reggie worked on is and is really proud of so i do want to point that out and and shout him out tonight uh especially given the time period where, where we just did it i think uh and and this is is timely i I suppose with uh uh rbg's death is one of the first things is that so many of these rights uh so many of the things whether it was the black community lgbt community or any other came up through the courts and so when when it came to gay marriage when it came to uh equality when it came to the the strides that were made at each step um uh uh domestic partnerships and just different things that like each time each time there was a step forward most of that work came from the courts uh the 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 congress hadn't been legislating anything big uh things are so so tense and so ground to a halt in congress sometimes uh that they're not having the ability to legislate anything big anymore and and so so much of this comes up from the courts and the first thing Joe Biden would be doing is he'd be he'd be nominating and appointing the types of judges uh, that would protect these rights and not go backwards. and And I think that might be the single most important thing. That's the that's the silver bullet in all this is having the types of judges that understand that this is not a strict constructionist uh, type of thing and that the the Constitution is a living document and we have to, as our community. Evolves. Our, our our laws have to be pliable enough uh, to take everybody in and give everybody equal justice under the law, and and so that's that's going to be the the very first thing. But but also, if you remember, Joe Biden was the one who who pulled the Obama administration towards uh, equality for LGBTQ individuals. Uh, he he went right on Meet the Press and said that he he doesn't see a problem with it. And uh with, with, with folks getting married and and lgbt BTq marriage being uh, uh, the, the the law of the land in this country and um, so the Obama administration had to come on him and so he was a uh, whether he meant it or not, he was a leader uh, in that moment on that issue and has has continued to be. so I, I think in terms of of understanding the community, having uh, having respect for the community, but, but so importantly, uh, appointing the kinds of people who will protect the strides that we have made and not not pull back is, is absolutely the, the, the number one thing that any president can do. And I think that's something Joe Biden would do.
0: Well, I really appreciate that response. I'm really excited about that. Uh, you know, I, I'm a, uh, uh, a staunch supporter of equality across the board so that that's really important for me um well and you know we thank you so much for coming on uh to to agree to do these four episodes with us uh this um has been in our own defense podcast we have been discussing empowerment employment economics and the 2020 election with attorney trey baker he's the director of the African-American engagement for the Biden-Harris 2020 presidential campaign. Uh, This is In Our Own Defense, where you host Attorney A.D. and Dr. Dolores Tarver. Uh, For more information, just please follow us on all our social media. Uh, We look forward to our part two with you, uh, Attorney Baker, Uh, Dr. Tarver. Thank you so much. And we'll be back uh, with our next episode uh, uh, very soon. Thank you very much. Have a great day.